Welcome back to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast brought to you by smallgroups.com, a podcast designed for church leaders desiring to make disciples for Jesus Christ in the world. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and today we are joined again by a very special guest, Leah Darrow, the speaker and author of The Other Side of Beauty, and also, again, Kelsey Collister, the producer of this podcast. Kelsey, we loved having you on as well. My friends, how are you both doing today? Kelsey, tell us, how is marriage going now? Doing great, Oliver, and... uh Leah, I can't wait for you to share more of your story with us. I loved your book, The Other Side of Beauty. Listen to the podcast regularly. Big fan. It's been very helpful as I led women's Bible studies. And so thanks for speaking to women so honestly. And yes, Oliver, marriage is going uh, going well. So far, going well. good. Good. Just good. Took 30 years to find the right person. Now, now you moved your marriage up. I mean, COVID-19 was happening, and that was dicey times, and now we're good. <laughs> Had things to are good. Had to expedite things. <laughs> expedite things. Rightly so. Rightly so. When you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. And Le- Leah, it's so good to have you back on. We loved our conversation last time with you. And, uh, and so how is life for you in this season? It's great. I don't know if I would say I'm living my best life, but I'm living whatever God's given me right now. And we're, we're doing okay. I've got five very small kids, so I just stay busy like I was before. Yeah, I like the vulnerability there. That's what we talked about in the last episode. It's okay. It's not, it could be better. It could be worse. Uh, you just got to be okay with the situation you're in and make the most of it. We're really glad to have you on. And uh, for those of you tuning into this episode, if you didn't catch the last one, um, we had a wonderful conversation with Leah as she walked us through John 4 and some of the things that she's been reflecting on. It's the beautiful passage, as many of you probably know, where the Samaritan woman um, who's despised by all Jewish standards, she meets Jesus, this rabbi at the well, and has this life-changing experience. And we got a chance to kind of hear a little bit from Leah. She preached a little bit. It was good. She unpacked it. You won't want to miss that episode, so be sure to tune back in and check that one out. But Leah, in light of everything, you know, you had said to us in one of the conversations we were having with you that in many ways you identify with the woman at the well in your own life. And and many people probably know some of your story, but we would love for you to just share a little bit of your conversion story. How did you meet Jesus at your well? Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about what that experience looked like. Yeah. So really quick, uh, just... 30,000 foot view piece of the story here. Um, If I had to pinpoint a couple moments, they would definitely be, one would be when I was 15. I had moved from Oklahoma, where I was born and raised, to St. Louis. I had a whole new group of friends and family and everybody, and or a whole new group of friends that I loved all my friends and family and had to get a whole new group of friends in St. Louis. And that was very, very hard. Um, The people that you surround yourself with, as, as we all know, really have an influence in our lives. And when I was 15, I made the choice to sleep with my boyfriend and I lost my virginity at 15. That was really, really big. Now I grew up in church. I have amazing parents. They're wonderful. We talk about Jesus all the time. Um, Jesus is not a foreign person or anything like that, but yet I made this decision. I mentioned that because it was a really big deal for me. Even though I, like I knew I guess I thought quite a bit about God, but I still, I mean, the devil worked on me. I mean, um, I believe that God would forgive everybody else and that he might forgive me, but I had this feeling like, but he'll never forget. He'll Mm. never forget what you did. And you have good parents and they're the ones who sit in the first pew. 
they have the reserve spot in church, you know, and they lead all the Bible studies and the marriage ministry and everything else. And they've done all these things. And you even go to youth group. Like you do that whole thing. I was mostly there for the pizza, but still. And um, I just thought that there wasn't a spot for me anymore in church, that there wasn't mm. a spot for me. And like, um, I, uh, like I screwed up so bad that I don't belong anymore. And belonging is really important when we're younger. Yeah. We're seeking that community and belonging and being a part of a group. And the one group that I thought I was good in, you know, God, I, um, I made a decision and that put me out, put me out of the circle. And I, I believed that lie. Obviously we know it's a lie, but I believed it. And that put me on a path to seek a new group, to seek something else other than God, because I just thought that I had um, screwed up so bad. Yeah, how could he ever want you, right? Yeah, and yeah. it just it allowed it allowed me to make other decisions. It allowed me to commit other sins. Let's be very clear and frank, um, because I already had you know screwed up. So like, well, what's the point? What's the point if I do that again or do another thing? Because like, I'm I'm done. Like. I'm wasted talent. It's over. I'm not that girl. I'll never be that girl. And so I became angry and bitter and defensive and leaned into my sin instead of leaning into the mercy of God. That put me on a path where I really sought out the world because the world was like, you're fine. Don't you worry about it, Leah. Just choose a better guy next time or wait maybe a little bit longer and then you can do that again or try this or do that or take this quiz and then it'll be okay. Like, it's just ridiculous. But I began to believe in the world and what the world was going to sell me was better. And then when I start to listen to the world about, you know, relationships, I began to listen to the world about identity and what it was for me to be a woman. And if you're going to be a woman, then you need to look like this and you need to have this job and you need to act like this and talk like this and vote like that. Everything. I mean, it Mm. encompassed everything. And so I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. And I just listened to the world. That brought me to the point where you know, I put all of my stock into my outward appearance. And so I went into fashion, went into modeling in particular, and ended up getting on the TV show America's Next Top Model. And I was on that, was eliminated from that show, but I decided to stay in New York and work professionally as as a fashion model. And I did. I worked there for a few years and I, I, I did all the work. I got all the big jobs. I had a comma in my paycheck and uh, my pictures in Times Square. It's on the side of taxi cabs and subways, like all the things that you would think checking off, like you're good, you're good, you're good. You're making it, you're doing it until this one moment, of course, right? Like every good Yeah, story. there's always that moment, right? That season. Until, yes, until the moment, until the one moment. And as we mentioned in John 4, as we started it, you know, we're in John 4, 4, it says, He had to pass through Samaria. So in the gospel of Leah, it says Jesus had to pass through New York City. (laughs) That's um, good. That's good, good, yeah. And so he did. And as I'm there in the middle of a fashion photo shoot, I have a massive encounter with Jesus. I am in the middle of the shoot and it's a moment where I cannot ignore, I, I I can't ignore it anymore. The knocking on the heart was getting louder and louder and louder. And I finally got so annoyed that I guess I opened up the door and Mm. um, Jesus was there. And I heard him say to my heart in the middle of this photo shoot, I made you for more. I heard, I heard it. 
Wow. And I remember thinking, nope, nope, not today. You are not going crazy today. Today's not the day. Mm-hmm. And I heard it again. I made you for more. I made you for more. And then the last two times I heard it, it the emphasis was actually on the first part, then the last part. And it was, I made you for more. And that part <laughs> um, still gets to me to this day because mm. um, I had put my identity in the world. I had put my identity in my boyfriend. I had put my identity in having this great apartment in New York City. I put my identity in having lots of money. I put my identity in um, who I was modeling for, the jobs that I had. And when I heard on my heart, I made you for more. Yeah. It brought me back to like, I'm not made in the image of Chanel. I'm not made in the image of Dolce & Gabbana. I am made in the image of God. And my life should be lived for him and not myself. And um, anyway, I was obviously a uh, very big moment for me and a moment in which I just uh, put everything down. I got up. I remember the photographer because I had paused in the middle of the shoot. And he's like, Leah, come on, refocus. Let's go. And I just looked at him and I said... I can't, I got, I have to go. And, uh, he was like, what? And he said a lot of things using a lot of colorful language. And I was like, no, no, I gotta go. I I gotta go. And I, I left. I mean, I, I took off all their clothes, put on mine, grabbed all my stuff, my bags. It was a massive photo shoot. This one I was doing for this international magazine. It was like going to be like one of those next steps to kind of go a little bit further in the career. And they were like, no, 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 no. We've had the whole day planned. Like you can't leave. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going. And I remember getting to the door at the very end and this long warehouse in midtown Manhattan. And, um, just walking through the whole thing and every like the makeup artist was trying to like, come on, it's okay. You're, 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 you're going to feel better about it later. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, no, I have to go. Everyone's trying to get me to stay. They're all saying nice things in the beginning. And at the end they were saying horrible things, like horrible things, like Mm. mean, disgusting, vile, uh, um, assaulting statements. And at the very end, the photographer yelled at me, from almost across the room. And he says, if you leave, if you leave, you will be a nobody. I will make sure of it. You will be a nobody. Hmm. And I remember looking back and I just said, in utter desperation, keep in mind, I just said, uh, do you promise? And he's like, what? And I just said, do you promise? Do you promise I'll be a nobody to you? And I, I meant it. Like I was in tears. I was like, please make me a nobody. Like I have fallen for your lies. I have fallen for it all. And I really just want to be a nobody to you. Like, like, please forget me. Please don't bother me. I just want to leave. And, um, he just stared at me. He didn't say anything really back. And I just walked out. I walked out and I walked all the way home. I was crying like crazy walking out of that photo shoot. Mascara is like dripping down my face. I look like a really crazy New Yorker or a normal one. It all depends on your definition <laughs> of right. a New Yorker. I love my New Yorkers. I love my New Yorkers out there. If you're listening, I love you. You are tough. You are amazing. And I love you. But um, I walked all the way they home crying. Tough. Yeah, they are. They are tough. So you're leaving and you've had this like mm-hmm. profound encounter that yeah. is 
mysterious, beautiful, and sacred, and and also very challenging. You're walking away from everything that so many people can dream about sometimes. And I'm so I'm, I'm kind of glad you you got off the show of America's Top Mom, and now you're on this show. It's like great <laughs> win for us. <laughs> But so what did the next few hours look like for you? What did the next few days, weeks, months, how did that all kind of shake out? That's when the real work began. I didn't realize that. I thought like the big work was like leaving and it is, it is the big step, but then it's like, okay, what next? And I remember just crying all the way home, getting to my apartment and I did the only thing that a girl could do. I called my dad and um, my parents are back in St. Louis and I just called my dad and my dad answered. And the only thing that I said to him was, dad, if you don't come and get me, I'm going to lose my soul. And then there's this long pause, which was really scary because I didn't know what he was going to say after I said that. And then he finally spoke and he just said, okay, baby, I'm coming to get you. My daddy drove almost 2,000 miles to come and pick me up. And from there, that began the journey home really back to Christ. And and that first step, though, of just leaving, like leaving the situation that I was in, like, this is not good. God, Christ obviously spoke to my heart. I love that. And then the next thing was me reaching out for help. And then praise be to God, I had a amazing father. I have amazing parents. I know that's not always the case. And if, if, you, if you are like me and you have parents that are that good, that would drop everything and drive 2,000, 5,000, 7,000 miles to come and pick you up. If you have that, you need to reach out to them and just call them and say, thank you. Because yeah. mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in some way, they have gone that far for you. They've done something. They've, they've, they've extended themselves in some form and they've been Christ-like to you. They've embodied the love of God the Father. And we are so blessed because there are some people who are listening to this right now who don't have that. Yeah. And, and they, they have a maybe very rough relationship. And so they, when they hear the words father, it triggers them. They hear the words mother and it triggers them. And, and I don't understand that from a personal um, experience, but I understand that that must be very difficult. However, however, I would not be a good sister to you in Christ if I did not also just speak to you, if that is you, and say, you have a father. You have God the Father who loves you so much and wants you home. He Mm. wants you home with him. And so we hopefully have good mothers and fathers here on earth, but we have a good father. We Mm. do have a good father in heaven. We do have our creator who loves us and has willed us into existence and loves us and and wants us home. So there's so many different pieces to this story. It, it, It could go on forever, but that's the beginning and God is still writing all that out. You know, he's still, he's still working on all of those things in me and healing me and, and, and bringing me to places where I can experience his love deeper and his mercy deeper. So, but that's like, that was like the big moment, the big moment for me really leaving the well behind and, and walking back. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Leah. I actually heard you give your testimony in Birmingham, Michigan a couple of years ago. It was like at a made for more event. Um, Yeah, yeah. And that moment of you calling your dad from New York City to come pick you up and telling him, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my soul. That really jumped out to me. 
And maybe it's because I've had some similar experiences myself. So he came right away like a good father, you know, would, and he didn't judge you. But he did, I remember you pointing out, he did ask you to go to confession. And I was wondering, like, what made you go in that moment? And, and how did you begin to see, as John Paul II said, that we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures, but the sum of the Father's love for us? Yeah, I, I think the last part of that quote from, from John Paul is really important. We are the sum of the Father's love for us. And mm. I, know that, I know that when I called my dad and you know, for me, I was like, I just need to get out of here. I need help. And praise be to God, my mother and father continued a relationship with me, even though I was away from Jesus, away from the church. Like they, they didn't just stop talking to me and they, and they didn't stop talking about, you know, faith either, but they yeah. kept a relationship in whatever I was doing. I was living in deep sin, like deep, deep sin, obvious sin, like glaring in your face, like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? Please don't tell the family. I was the person they would talk about during Thanksgivings, like, oh, did you hear what Leah's doing? Or did you hear what she did? And I'm like, that was me. Okay. But my parents did not give up on that relationship with me and they continued it. That allowed me to make the phone call back home. Because if I think if I if I didn't think that I had had anybody to call, if I thought, oh my gosh, my mom and dad are going to be like, well, I told you so. If you keep living for the world, the devil's going to get you. Like that's not going to help me in that moment. Mm-mm. And so my parents were really good about taking my phone call every time I called. And and as I'm living with my boyfriend or the new boyfriend, whatever it was, like, well, what are you making for dinner? And they would just chat about the world and chat, you know, they would they would chat about things that, that so I could just keep up a relationship. I just think that's really important to bring up. And then when it got to the point of me calling my dad, he then knew that that was the opportunity to get me the help that I needed. So my dad gets to my door the way the story continues and he knocks on my door and I know it's my father because my father has got like the knuckles of a grizzly bear. So his knock is very distinct. (laughs) (laughs) He knocks on my apartment door and he, and I open it up and he's just, Oh, Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Oh, thank you. My daughter just gave me a seashell. I'm so sorry. Oh, that is so (laughs) awesome. Well done. Thanks. Well done. Okay. I'm I'm almost done. If you can't see the seashell, it's right there. It's beautiful. It's white. Do you live by a beach? No, I live in the middle <laughs> of the Midwest. I don't know okay. how anybody found this seashell. That's a mystery to this podcast. So yeah, yeah, Grizzly Knuckles dad pounded on the door. Yes. Not your not your little lovely daughter. This is a different She comes in through a different door offering a different type of offering. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get back to dad. Yeah. So so I open up the door and my dad is standing there with but with his arms wide open completely Mm. open. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm looking at him with a disgusted face, like what? And he just jumps at me and yells, I am so happy to see you. And I was like, what? You're happy to see me? He's like, I am so happy to see you. Listen, I've never been to New York before. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to go to Central Park. And then I want to go to um, Carnegie Deli and eat this big Reuben sandwich because I saw it on the Food Network and I have to have it. And my dad's having this conversation. (laughs) And I'm like, um, um, I'm only at the point of spiritual despair. And you want to go take a walk in a park? Like, do you hear how ridiculous this sounds? 
but I'm confused of what my dad is doing. And he's just chatting and talking. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, OK, I'm sorry. Yeah. You you want to get a sandwich? OK, let me grab my keys. And I thought my dad was going to open up the door and be like, do you know how long I've driven? Do you know how mm-hmm. much it took me to get here? I had to take vacation time away from our family to come pick up you, you, the screw up who can't seem to get it together, who continues to do whatever she wants to do. And is Mrs. Selfish over here. Now I'm here taking and going to have to pick you up. And do you know how expensive gas was? I'm expecting my dad to say all those things. And my dad is sitting here wanting to go to a park and get food. And I was really taken back. And I was like, um, yeah, oh, oh, sure. And I remember like my dad's still in the door frame. He's never entered into my apartment. And I am grabbing for my keys that are right by the door. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess we can go. And I'm getting ready to try to walk through the door frame, but he's not moving. He's not moving. And I was like, what, dad, what do you, you want to get your sandwich, right? We, we, we have to go. And he's like, yes. Yes, we will get the sandwich, but first, first you go to confession. I was like, what? what? No, that boat has sailed, son. Like it <laughs> sailed, burned, like, like how they used to do it. Like, no, there's <laughs> no, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. Like we're, th- this, we're, we're here and we're going to die here. You know, mm-hmm. like that was what I did. I like crashed into the world and I burnt my boat. Like, sorry, I'm stuck. I'm done. And then, you know, God just sends another boat. That's all that happens there. (laughs) I always, always, (laughs) always. And I, I just, um, I'm like, no, like I've been away from Christ. I've been away from the church. I've been away from all of that stuff. I haven't even prayed in, in 10 years. Not that I don't believe it's just, I don't think that's for me anymore. I think I missed my opportunity to be the good person. And uh, my dad just looks at me and he says, Leah, you called and you said you wanted to come home and I'm here to take you home. And Jesus is home. Um, If you want to go anywhere else, you can call Southwest Airlines. Hmm. And then that's, it was that push really. It was, it was being, brutally honest in a tough situation that really helped me say yes to Christ to say, you know, you're right. Um, in that moment, I just knew that I was so broken and I was so hurt by myself and, and others. And the only person you can put that back together is God. The only person that I need to talk to is Jesus. And Leah, uh, I mean, that is, it's a note and a powerful testimony, I think, for all of us to hear who are parents of what it looks like. What what can we be doing for our own kids, for our own people in ministry? Or if we're a youth pastor listening to this or a pastor listening to this or a woman's ministry leader listening to this, there are going to be people that kind of go their way. And, and to do what your dad did and what he actually did, not what you, you know, you were imagining, right? We all have that, that tape playing through our head and it's not true. But to do what your dad did and to just, and your parents did, not just your dad, but to take the phone call, to continually take the phone call, to ask what you're making for dinner, that is a powerful reminder, I think, to all of us who are parenting. And your story continues. And it, I mean, it has been a phenomenal story because now for over a decade, you have been 
contributing so much. And, you know, your commentary on John 4 uh, in the last episode, you got me thinking about verse 14 and how Jesus tells that woman at the well, and you have clearly experienced this, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him or her, right? In this case, it's a her. They will never be thirsty. Again, the water, Jesus says, that I give her will become in her a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And Leah, it's been evident to, to myself and getting to know Kelsey and, and hearing how you've impacted her life. You have a spring of water that flows out of you. And so how did you get to a place of realizing that that was your mission, that your mission was to create the Do Something Beautiful podcast. It was to teach other women. It was to develop the the Lux app that is out there and available and fairly new. How did you know that you wanted to create all these tools for people, that this was your calling? How did you discover that? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's probably the most honest answer. I think I just, I think I just took one step each day into embracing the mercy of Christ for me, that Christ can make me new, that Revelation 21.5 is true. Jesus said, I make all things new. I make all things new. I am the one that makes them new. And I just, I, I just went over and over and over that verse. And I began to trust that Jesus means what he says, that he's not a liar and he's, he's true. And if I believe that, then I need to start acting like it. And I just began yeah. to live a better life. So I stopped sinning. It's real basic. Like just <laughs> stop, stop. That's so stop easy doing. to do, right? It's so easy. Well, y- yeah. I mean, and, and granted, outside of like addictions and things that are tied into other behaviors and thinking, okay, but there are some things like, no, just stop doing that. Okay. And then I began to think like, well, why do you do that? And then I just reverse engineered. Hmm. I reverse engineered a good life. And I'm like, okay, a good spiritual life. What does that look like? It would be a person that prays every day. It'd be a person that surrounds himself with people that support them in that life. Right. It would be a person that reads every day. It would be a person that takes control of their schedule and their time. And then I began to reverse engineer every little piece. And I said, okay, Lord. Um, And I realized that there were people in my life that were not leading me to the living water. And I needed to cut that out. And that was very hard. And I, and I went and I spoke to them and I said, I can't do this. I all we do when we get together are these things. These things are clearly against what I need to do to live this life. And I want to encourage you to, to stop doing it. And I think we should do something else. And they said, no, we're still doing it. I said, that's fine. Then I'm leaving. And I did. Mm. And I left. And it was hard. It was, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to, to cut off friendships with people who said, no, we won't go that way. And I'm like, okay, then I'm going this way. And then I, I turned and I walked and I went another direction by myself. But, and I, I remember praying, praying like Jesus I have no friends. I have no friends but you. I literally have zero friends. There, there's no one in this world right now that is my friend. Like uh, I went one by one to all those different circles and it's, it's gone. Yeah. And yeah. the Lord just reminded me that one, he was enough. And then two, don't worry. I love you. I'm going to bring you somebody. And um, slowly he brought me those people. So I think in doing all these things that I'm doing now, it just was... Um, one is the work of the Lord because there's no way walking out of that moment in New York and, you know, giving Christ all of me 
confessing all that I had and saying, Lord, help me, save me, that someone would have been like, hey, listen, would you mind telling your story and like all the things you've done um, <laughs> on a public front? Like, would you, could, could you, I'm like, you're, you're stupid. Who would do that? <laughs> to me, I didn't even know this world existed. So I would just be like, there's no one on the planet who would say, yeah, let me say how bad I've been. And, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to like, that's just dumb. I'll find something else to do. And I did, I did plenty of other stuff before I got into ministry work, but I think it's just been, been this moment that obviously God's ordained, but for me, it's just diving deeper and deeper into the mercy of Christ and living the life that he's calling me to live. He wants me to be the best Leah that he's made. And I'm just really working hard on that. And at the same time, too, like when you experience the mercy of Christ, you are compelled. You are like, it, it's, it's a passion of yours. Like you're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I was like horrible, but look at my life now. And not that my life's perfect, but like I have Christ. There's, you can't take that away from me. You, you could, you cannot take that away from me. And you are compelled to share that with others. Just like the Samaritan woman at the well. I mean, it's just really beautiful. And I think that has been the catalyst and the foundation for everything I do now is that I, I'm compelled to tell you that your life can be so much better with Christ. I'm not saying it's going to be easier, but I'm going to tell you that it's going to be better and that you are going to be grounded in truth when you have your life based in Jesus Christ. And that is what everything comes from. Everything I do comes from how can we bring the message of Jesus, the gospel of mercy to people so that they can see that their life without Christ is empty and with Christ has so much promise of, of fulfilling them in the ways that they wouldn't know. And, you know, what I, what I love about John 4, and we talked about this in the other podcast, um, the Samaritan woman, and we always call her the Samaritan woman, obviously, because that's what she's called in scripture. But in tradition, um, the Eastern church actually wanted to honor her in such a way. And they gave her a name. I don't know if anybody knows this, but the Eastern church gave her a name and they called her Photina, which is Greek for light, hmm. light. Like she was a light to her village she became this light that went in and told told them of this Messiah. And I just, I think that's really beautiful that we're each all called to be a light of Christ in the world, just like the Samaritan woman or as Fotina as the Eastern Church <laughs> refers to her as Saint Fotina. They, they gave her this honorary name because of the, the a massive difference that she made um, as John tells us in his gospel. Like that. Yeah, we have just one last follow-up question for you, Leah. I know that you've um, promoted the Lux app on your podcast, and I've heard a little bit about that and how it can be a source of nourishment and spiritual growth for women. I'm wondering what you've learned about digital discipleship um, from doing that project since it's so relevant right now with everything that's happening with COVID-19 um, as kind of all ministry leaders are immersing themselves into that sort of initiative, if you will. Yeah. Let's see. Back in October, we moved, um, we moved this new ministry we have called Lux. Lux is Latin for light and it's completely connected to John 4. Shocker <laughs> that I would connect everything I do to this gospel. But I, I love that it's on the heels of the conversation we were just having about light. So yes. 
Yes. Yes. So it is really beautiful. I, I'm so thankful that God is working in this in so many different ways. So yeah, so Lux is uh, Latin for light. And we started this ministry last year. It's over a year old. And when we moved it last year into an app form, the whole point was to really engage community because we saw that that was lacking and how in the first platform that we used. So we have the Lux app now where we we pray. It's just for women um, where we pray every single day. We have a chaplain in there that guides us, even has nightly prayer. There's formation. It's really beautiful. But I think what I've learned in terms of digital discipleship is that community is so important. And I think that that's probably white noise to many ministry leaders. Like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. In fact, we do that really, really good. And here are numbers. But community is not numbers. It's not how many you're getting. Um, It's the person-to-person connection. And it's also vulnerable connection. Are people just connecting like, hey, how you doing? Or are they really heart-to-heart connecting? And one of the things that we've seen in our private community, because it is so important because it's not Facebook and it's not Twitter and it's not Instagram where you only put out like the really special stuff, like the really Mm -hmm. highlight reels of your life. And even then you're putting a filter on it anyway. But we are noticing inside of our app that women are really going deep that they are sharing their suffering, their loss. We've got women who are in there saying, I just had a miscarriage or I just lost my mother or I just gave birth to this baby, whatever it might be, but they are actually getting at that vulnerable level we talked about in the other podcast of being really raw and then having this community surround them that is praying for them actively. Like they're stopping right then and there. You see women in their comments they're writing out their prayer that they're saying right there for the woman. Like, you know, God, the father, have your mercy. It's just so beautiful to read all these comments. And you see this community rallying behind this woman. And I'm like, that's sisterhood. That is discipleship is (laughs) allowing a platform where you are not just the leader in your ministry, but you're discipling others to be leaders in your community. And if you're not willing to pass the torch, and if you're only going to want to hold on to the torch, then you're not made for ministry. You're made for the world. Well, you're not really made for the world, but you're acting like you're being made for the world. You want to be the greatest. Yeah. And and, that's not the Jesus way. And we need to serve. And so what we're learning in this digital discipleship and this digital ministry life, and what I have been learning recently is, is how to take your community online and to make it count and to bring out that vulnerable connection between each person and having the right platform in place to do that is really important. So people can engage with one another which of course makes it easier um, or at least a good habit to start engaging in the person of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Leah, thank you so much for all that you're doing um, to serve God and to minister to people. It's clear that the spring of water is just flowing out of you. And I can see how, yes, you identify with the woman at the well. You in many ways have embodied her and are following Jesus in so many great ways. And uh, the water is flowing out of you and it's bringing nourishment to so many people. So I hope our listeners will check out your Lux app. Um, what an awesome 
opportunity to go from lament to celebration together. And what a powerful experience that is. That's the experience I think Jesus invites all of us to go on together. So Leah, may God bless you for all you're doing and continue to just bless your ministry. May it thrive. Uh, And if you're tuning in, ministry leaders, to this episode of the Transforming Discipleship Podcast, thank you. It's brought to you by smallgroups.com. I guess, Leah, if you had any parting words for our listeners today, would you have any last thing. I want you to get the last word here. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to give us? Oh, be not afraid. Mm. Be not afraid. If you are still breathing, God is not done with you yet. Lean into that. Lean into Him. Just like John leaned into the Lord at the Last Supper, he leaned into his sacred heart. He heard it beat And that beat is for you and it's for me and it's for this world. Just lean into the Lord. Be not afraid. He's Mm. got so much to do in you. Amen. Amen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, we invite you guys to rate us on iTunes as we're a new podcast. Um, Again, please visit Leah Darrow's work. Check her books out, the Lux app. And then you can also visit smallgroups.com if you're looking for resources for your Bible studies or your church small groups. We are here to help you build communities that are transforming lives. Mm -hmm.